Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. As always, this week we have our full panel, which includes Jorna Taylor, and Jorna Taylor is a nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin. Jorna, welcome. Good morning. It's good to have you. And we have Robert Craig, Executive Director here at Citizen Action. Welcome, Robert. Good morning, everyone. So we are going to start this podcast by talking about uh, what happened late, I guess it would be early Sunday morning, late last uh, Saturday night in Orlando. Obviously, um, all of our listeners are well aware of broadly what happened and and the uh, 50-foot people that were murdered. Um, Jorna, I'm going to have you sort of take the lead on on the show and just want to get your thoughts. Obviously, last week's show, you were telling us about Pride Fest and all the excitement um, that was coming with this this month for for the community. But uh, here in Milwaukee and all the work that goes on into Pride Fest and then to have this event and um, obviously very interested in your thoughts and um, about about this. And, and then we'll talk a little bit more in the show about how this spills into Wisconsin, but just wanted to get your thoughts to start. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, so as everybody who have, has been following along at home knows, I'm on the Pride Fest Board of Directors. Um, it's called Milwaukee Pride. And we had an amazing three-day weekend. In fact, we had our largest attendance to date, which topped last year, which was our largest attendance yeah. to date. Uh, and I will say that in light of everything, the horrific events that unfolded in Orlando, we had our largest day of the entire weekend on Sunday, seeing over 12,000 people come through the gates of, of Pride Fest on Sunday. Um, you know, for me, it's it's such an interesting and empowering weekend. I will tell you that the people who come together to put Pride Fest on, they put their blood, sweat, and tears into it year-round, and you spend the entire weekend then as a member of that team watching people be who they are and have this unbridled safe fun with each other and celebrating who they are in this safe space. And somebody, there are celebrations like this going on everywhere and there are gay bars everywhere where people feel safe to do that. And somebody came into one of those safe spaces on Saturday night and took that away from a bunch of people and that was a hate crime. And I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's Um, all right, Joanna. You know, I watched people have so much fun and then we woke up on Sunday morning and had to deal with the FBI and increased security because people didn't feel safe to be who they were. And that's not fair. And this was a hate crime. And those people will never get to have the opportunity to live proud. And all they were trying to do was celebrate who they were. And let's be very clear. It was a hate crime and it was very specifically targeted at the Latinx, the queer and transgender Latinx community. This was not just a, gay hate crime. This was also a hate crime at people of color, particularly the Latino community, because it was targeted on Latino night. And as we have come to find out, um, the shooter knew and had been at that club and knew what was going on. And so I, you know, the outpouring of support for the community has been overwhelming. Everybody is so grateful, but, you know, we can't just forget about this and we can't just turn off this horrific tragedy and we can't just have your thoughts and prayers. We have to do something about it. Yeah. You, you, you mentioned obviously this, this was not random. 
Uh, and this was extraordinarily well planned, as we're starting to find out, and the amount of detail and preparation and time spent in sort of really understanding who was going to be there that night um, and definitely needs to be taken into consideration. And, of course, your comments, you were very clear about it being a hate crime and how it was targeted. Um, you, you, re you have referenced that that has not been universal in the way our political leaders have responded to this. Um, I want to talk first nationally, right? Um, obviously, Donald Trump got us off to a horrendous start with his tweet, his bragging tweet of ridiculousness, and it's just appalling. June 12th, 2016. Appreciate the congrats for being right on radical Islamic terrorism. I don't want congrats. I want toughness and vigilance. We must be smart. Um, but let's talk a little bit about sort of what the response has been. Um, and, you know, is, is it appropriate uh, on, uh, all around, like what 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 ought we ought to be uh, starting to do? Well, there was a start last night. If folks were following along, the Senate Democrats held a filibuster until the early hours of the morning. I had it on my iPad as long as I could stay awake last night in bed because I'm a nerd like that. <laughs> but um, the the Senate Democrats and our United States Senator Tammy Baldwin, who attended Pride Fest opening oh. ceremonies as our keynote speaker, um, spoke eloquently a number of times on the floor of the Senate that we need gun control reform. And, um, you know, we, we finally are going to have a start. What they're proposing and what they've got Republicans to agree to, supposedly, right, mm -hmm. is that there will be no gun sales to people on the no-fly watch list. Yeah, which makes, it seems perfect Which to sense. me makes sense, um, but, you know, that's not enough. Right. Uh, so thank you for a start, um, but it's not enough. Robert, your thoughts? Well, it's stunning it was allowed, right? Yes. Which tells you, I mean, this is one of those incidents that opens people's eyes not only to what hatred leads to and what the real meaning of it is. It's not just words, right? It takes away people's lives and snuffs out everything they could have been or wanted to be. Um, but in addition, it, it, it lays bare, uh, you know, how corrupt Congress is, how the gun lobby... Uh, despite what public sentiment is, because the public doesn't think anyone ought to be able to buy military-style assault weapons, uh, but we have this extreme ideology lobby pressure group that's also funded by the gun manufacturers that basically, as we know, even bans research. Research is banned. Uh, tobacco industry would love to have pulled that off if they'd thought of it 40 years ago and tried, actually. So, and then you have Donald Trump answering hatred with hatred. I mean, this is not the kind of crime that would be stopped by having more wars in the Middle East. I mean, a disturbed individual can, can is going to find content uh, that will, you know, they can, that they can derive hatred of and uh, through and then, and then a group to target. And so it's hatred itself that's the problem. And we need to get real about the fact that we're, through our force-only kind of military policy, creating hatred all over the world and not making us safer, making us less safe. And so we've got to start to understand that. And so 
I know, I know there's been a lot, there's, there's a lot of sensitivity. There was a, immediately a lot of political finger pointing, right? Um, I was kind of amazed. I don't know what Jorna's thought on this was. I'm watching Fox News. <laughs> okay. Uh, and Fox News is celebrating uh, LGBT victims of, of, of the shooting. So I'm like, okay, if, if, if it involves uh, in, indirectly ISIS, then you can become a hero on Fox News. You, know, you can go back to the history of Fox News has been, has been a fomenting, fomenter of hatred against the LGBT community. But I thought that was intriguing. And, and uh, it, well... Uh, let's face it, it's, it, it, it's serving, it's not, it's really just using uh, the LGBT community in order to foment hatred against uh, what they call, what uh, you know, one of the largest world religions, well, which is their real that's goal. That's just it, Robert, right? Like, I mean, their goal here is to make this seem like viewed through a lens of ISIS and international terror. And Jorna, I think you started the podcast by accurately putting the proper lens that this was an individual, largely an individual who spoke clearly stirred by hate and certainly the political environment that we have had is not helpful in the situation but planned this and had goals that were well beyond sort of some sort of isis or islamic terrorist this was as you said knew it was a latino night knew exactly what was happening and and there it was a much broader it was it was a as a hate crime, very specific about those groups that were being targeted that are well beyond any sort of ISIS narrative that the, I, the conservatives are pushing and want this to be viewed through, which I think is very important for us to sort of cut through. And it, it relates to some of the spillover that we saw this week in Wisconsin, which we'll talk a little more about. Well, and, you know, I have to thank, and I made a Facebook post about this, I really thank the politicians and the elected officials that came out to support Pride Fest on Friday and Saturday, <laughs> and then those on Sunday that came down to the parade and then came to the festival grounds. Um, you know, thank you for that. There's year-round work that is being done in the LGBT community, and I'd love to see a lot more of those folks show up at a lot of the other events and, you know, really get engaged in this discussion as well. Um, you know, and, and then I was disappointed on the same side to see a lot of folks and elected officials who I have respect for that issued statements like thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers, we must have tolerance. No, we don't need to have tolerance. We need to have acceptance across the board. So tolerance and thoughts and prayers, like, thanks for that, but do better. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about not only those responses, but also kind of how this played out in Wisconsin, right? Let's talk specifically about our governor. Our governor, um, after the thoughts and prayers, um, has now suggested that we need to really gum, uh, dig in on an if you see something, say something program, which it'll be uh, about as effective as don't ask, don't tell. Yeah, not a, and also um, just say no. Just to go back to that little earlier I mean, I right wing phraseology. I don't even know how to res quite respond to this. It's just it's unbelievable that this is really that's a thing. Is, yeah, that that it's even got a headline. <laughs> And we're even talking about it as if it's a serious proposal. We'll talk a little bit more about some of the ridiculous things and uh, takes Scott Walker has later uh, as we talk more about this. But want to talk also about how this spilled out into the um, the the battle that has uh, taken place between uh, Representative Mandela Barnes and R Representative Jesse Kremer. We've talked about Representative Jesse Kremer on this podcast before. He is the author of many awful awful, awful bills. We can uh, go through a number of them, but um, 
he released a statement in response to some tweets that um, Representative Barnes put out over the weekend in his sort of personal soul-searching around thinking about the role of religion and his religion, uh, Christianity, in potentially um, having sparked or led to some of this. And Kremer put out a release, we'll put a link to it, that is absolutely crazy and in some places somewhat (laughs) incoherent. But the part that was coherent, he first of all called the president of the United States a racist. And, (laughs) and, And even, look, goes on, lectures Representative Barnes and other black leaders as to how they ought to lead, right? And (laughs) <laughs> which is unbelievable, right? And also then seems to suggest, he's, no, it doesn't suggest, says that somehow <laughs> President Obama, that race really wasn't an issue and had, hadn't been a problem until President Obama. Jorna, this <laughs> is just like... I don't, I mean, how do you, how do you reason with crazy? You can't, so we didn't have any problems with racism in this country. None, none at all. Civil rights movement, you know, riots. Nope, none of that was a thing until we got a black president. A black president, yes. What? Yes. I don't, I've got nothing. That's just crazy. Yeah. Well, fortunately, Kremer is getting creamed on this one uh, across the board. Uh, I I don't know. Robert, uh, did you get a chance to see this? Yes. And... The quote is, I don't remember race ever being a problem before he, President Obama, took office. <laughs> okay. So it shows how much these right-wing ideologues live in a bubble. So it, it wasn't a problem out in, uh, at, out, out, in the, out in the exurbs because he simply drove from his strip mall to, his, gonna say, to, to never... his business. And that and that was it. And apparently, he was apparently completely unaware of American history. That's obvious. So, what can you say? It just shows it's an alternative reality, and that's the problem. When you're dealing with ideologues. What do you say to people who literally live in an alternative universe and are, and don't 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 have a fact-based view of the world? What do you say about that? I he apparently missed New Orleans in the flood. He missed. O.J. Simpson, Rodney King, there's a whole Civil bunch War. of very like, Jim Crow. Right? Like, I mean, just even in the Mass recent incarceration, <laughs> recent two decades, right of his life, there's been stripping of the VRA. Yeah, just huge, huge issues, right, where race was at the center of showing that you know our society is too, well, too, very too, too, has very different uh, opinions on this based on your experience. Once again, he, you know, it's a Republican. It's a you know, right-wing Tea Party Republican using race when it's convenient to scapegoat people of color. And this is, you know, an opportunity to do that. Well, shout out to Representative Barnes for immediately jumping on this, helping make sure that this got public. And, uh, you know, well, obviously Kremer put out his own release, but, you know, making sure that there was immediate pushback on this. And uh, so we're, we're really glad to have someone like Representative Barnes out there. Um, want to talk... Uh, a little bit. We're gonna we're gonna move a little bit off of of this topic and talk a little bit about the 2016 election. Um, so we spent some time in the last few podcasts chatting about the elections and uh, some polls. A number of polls came out this week um, that I want to get uh, response from on the panel. Uh, the first one was earlier in this week. There was a poll that showed Russ Feingold up uh, 10 points. Uh, Bloomberg put out a poll. That had Clinton up 12 points nationally, and uh, which 
they've been tracking over time, which is improvement for her. Um, and then also the big Marquette poll, right? Everyone's very familiar with the Marquette law poll that comes out quite regularly. And that while finding that the Feingold race was a little closer than uh, some of the other national ones um, amongst, I think they have two different um, uh, screens, registered voters and likely voters. Uh, likely voters, it was still a nine-point margin. And Hillary, I think, was even in double digits, I want to say. Um, the other thing that we have to get response to is Scott Walker continues to be wildly unpopular in the Marquette poll. He is under 40% uh, in his uh, popular approval ratings. Um, and uh, before I kick it to the panel, his response, by the way, to his uh, latest poll, poll ratings is comical. He, uh, he suggested that he was surprised about this, given that he hasn't been hearing any of this on his listening sessions. And these are the listening sessions that are closed, invitee only, and no media is even allowed. So Speaking of bubbles. <laughs> speaking of the last bubbles and strange worlds. The last time I talked to my mom and dad, they totally told me I was awesome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and all your bestest friends. And all my best friends said I was totally great. Exactly. Well, uh, I don't know what about the conditions in Wisconsin could possibly make our governor unpopular. Uh, I mean, he ran on jobs, and he's just done a stellar, stellar job, not just the number of jobs, which we all know is way below, but we're mostly creating poverty wage jobs, which people are beginning to like notice as they try, as they try to get jobs. So that doesn't redound well to the governor. Uh, let alone, you know, some of the biggest attacks on environmental laws are the biggest recorded in, in Wisconsin history. Uh, the wonderful, stunning response to Orlando, which, of course, will further burnish his reputation out of the poll was earlier, because obviously our, our eternal vigilance will prevent this, and so on and so forth. How many, uh, by the way, how many false calls do you think they're going to get from uh, kind of... Uh, you know, your, your classic kind of like nag on the block who, who thinks that everything's a conspiracy about, you know, their concerns about, you know, because you're supposed to report it now. If you feel something's unusual, you're supposed to call someone. That should be interesting. Well, Robert, you live in Bayview with me, and that's already been happening in Bayview. Oh. <laughs> Just follow our Facebook town hall page. Oh, I have not been. Have, yeah. you, have you been reported to the authorities no, a lot? Not no, yet. No. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> So actually, there there was some interesting uh, numbers as it relates to the presidential race in the Marquette poll that um, get the panel's response. Obviously, Hillary looks like she's doing fairly strong right against Trump. Um, however, they did in the last day of their poll, it was after Orlando, ask a question about who would handle a situation like that better, and Trump actually polled higher by like five points, five or seven points, which is shocking. I don't believe people had had an opportunity to listen to his tweet. They might have um, changed their analysis. Now, well, no, there reflects something. They just think being tough is the way to go. Well, okay, so I, I just wanted to provide that caveat. Um, this is actually, relatively speaking, a good number for a Democrat versus a Republican on these kinds of issues. Right. But it, given like what we just talked about, right, and what they're proposing... It is still amazingly appalling that a majority of people would think Trump would handle this situation better when his own tweet showed he had a complete inability to understand what the hell was even happening. But progressives need to figure out that these facts don't really matter. This is about some sort of affinity, and, and is he the, will he do the kind of things I want? I mean, there, there's going to be very little parsing of the truth of, of, of Trump's 
tweets. And the fact is, is that Trump is... Uh, run away with the nomination for one of the major parties in this country for president. So that means there have to be a lot of people who find this uh, approach attractive. Okay, so one of these candidates is presidential. <laughs> one of these candidates has experience. One of these candidates isn't going to get us into World War Three. And one of these are, candidates... Are you concerned about Mr. Trump having the briefcase? I said one of these candidates, okay, Robert. Okay, you didn't, okay. you didn't okay. let me sorry, finish. Sorry, <laughs> And one of these candidates is an unhinged lunatic <laughs> who... Uh, it, it, there's just... Uh, you know, people joke about having to move to Canada or leave the country. Oh, my God. He would drive us into the ground. So I think that this... You know, we know that Marquette is not necessarily always the most... Um, progressive leaning of sample sizes. So, you know, I think these are really great numbers for Hillary Clinton, honestly. And yeah. the truth is, polls don't freaking matter right now, and we're overly obsessed with them. But And yes. there's no such thing as a national poll, because there's no such thing as a national election. Until we have national elections, we shouldn't have national sure, polls. Sure, sure. Exactly. Okay, so I, I agree with all of that. You... Thank you, social scientists, uh, for your analysis. I, I do think it was important. It was an it was an interesting snapshot that we had a bunch of them that are at least credible polls that aren't like nutty um, come in with a snapshot that definitely shows what we kind of think is going on. There's sort of a built-in advantage. But Robert, you're absolutely right. This is an extremely fluid situation. Um, that polling number that I just revealed, right? Like if if we continue to have these kinds of situations, Trump is going to demagogue them you know for all he can right because that's a terrain that he's he's going to find his advantage i will say one thing about the polls is interesting it's not the spread between them on this number but this number is important for how the election uh, will come forward and that is 58 percent of registered voters have an unfavorable re uh, view of clinton while 64 percent have an unfavorable view of trump so everyone's saying this is going to be a very negative, nasty campaign. How do you drive those numbers up any higher than they already are? And you drive, that make you any drive people to not turn out. I mean, that's <laughs> really... Well, right. And, and let's remember that Hillary Clinton, you know, officially, well, unofficially, officially uh, clinched the nomination a week ago. Yeah, we covered that last week. We I did. Yeah, yeah. I, the I'm, officially, unofficially, officially. The unofficial, unofficially slam dunk. slam dunk of Hillary Clinton's nomination was a week ago. So... Yeah. There has not been this head-to-head -head contest yet, and there has not been the matchup between Trump and Clinton yet. Yeah, and that's why I wanted. She's to, a stateswoman. Let's be clear. Well, and that's why I wanted to have this conversation. I sort of view it as a marker. We the the it sort of began last week. We got a twelve-point margin, right, which is significant. But as you said, this is not a national contest. It ends up playing out state by state. Wisconsin being one of them important and and she has a similar lead to what she has nationally but look what we're, we're going to continue to watch we'll 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 track polls we'll we'll uh try to bring the analysis and sophistication that uh robert demands of us that we don't get sucked into any one of these uh polls uh or any one particular poll so i do want to talk a little bit about our friend paul ryan and 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 related to this uh to to what went on this week i mean this again We've talked about this, Jorna. He's in this really shitty spot for him, right, that he's put himself in. I call it the bed they all made, right, But where he's endorsed them. But basically what little media coverage he got this week was basically backing and distancing himself from Trump's crazy comments this week. I'm shocked. I mean, I, he's going to have to back away a little bit. I think he'll have an out for 
the next few weeks where he can focus on, quote, the work of Congress. Um, and then he'll have to make some tough decisions about what he's going to do on the campaign trail or not do on the campaign trail. Uh, I would kind of call this the crazy uncle strategy. So, you know, you let him get drunk in the corner. Well, it's sort of like, oh, that's just Uncle Harry, you know, uh, but we still love him. You know, Uncle Harry's just that way. So they'll write. Isn't that kind of what uh. they have to do? That he's still our candidate. But we, of course, don't endorse everything that Uncle right. Harry Right. And then we forcefully come out every once in a while and in and, and very you know pointed tones talk about how terrible Uncle Harry is to our children and remind them that is not what we really stand for. Here's the bright future that we want you to be, not like Uncle Harry, right? But unfortunately, <laughs> Uncle Harry isn't just over on the weekend. He's freaking hanging out in your basement. So well, that's your problem. I mean, is this, making cookies for you every day. Is this going to be like if Trump actually got elected president, would this be some sort of was it the movie Dave where they had the animatronic, <laughs> you know, look alike? Will they have to put Trump in the, the you know, bowels of the White House and have an actual person that won't do anything insane like bomb us into the next century? Uh, well, well, he's an entertainer, so it is the carnival barker versus the stateswoman. But the problem is people might vote for a carnival barker. Jesse over Ventura. A Woman, yes. <laughs> well, we will continue to watch this throughout the summer, and because uh, our legislature is not in session, we we've got we a lot poke of poke fun at Donald Trump every week. We have a lot of election stuff to watch. Um, before we get and wrap this podcast up and go to our furloughs, I do want to mention that our friends at the Wisconsin League of Conservation Voters have released their uh, biannual conservation uh, scorecard, which. Essentially, what they do is uh, they do a very good job of bringing together all of the environmental and conservation groups to set out priorities and what their agenda is going to be every legislative period. And this scorecard is the results of how the uh, legislators perform. So I think it's important, uh, especially if you care about conservation, which we know most everybody in the state does, where it's a critical part of, uh, of our state's uh, makeup and history. Uh, go check out their scorecard, see how your state legislator did or how well they did or didn't do. And you can find that at uh, conservationvoters.org. Uh, we'll try to have someone from the League of Conservation Voters on. We tried to make that happen this week, but they're extremely busy around this. And we want to have them talk a little bit more about the scorecard, but also conservation issues going forward in the election. And we do want to talk more about what's been going on at the DNR around the audit. Uh, but we want to have an expert before uh, us, us folks muck around. Uh, but so if, I, if people haven't been paying attention, right, it's it's total shit show we know going on at the DNR, particularly around water and not doing anything about enforcing uh, any of our water standards. Robert, you were going to say something. I was just going to do. Do you pronounce it, Jorna, Representative Adam uh, Jarchow or I don't know Jarchow, one of the backbenchers over Jarko, there yeah. in the majority, uh, said in response to being uh, listed as one of the uh, on the list of dishonor in the LCV scorecard, WLCV scorecard, I see as a badge of honor. I'm proud to work hard to protect property rights on behalf of my constituents. Our pro-growth common sense reforms are working. It's a, if extremist left-wing radical environmental groups don't like it, too bad. It, just to be clear, uh, to put that in con uh, proper <laughs> context, WLCV has a lot of conservation groups uh, hook and bullet 
crowd, as you might want to call them, people that are not anything close to left-wing radicals. dirty liberals like us. Yeah, look, hey, the LCV has tons of dirty liberals like us in it. That's what's great about it. They're actually trying to take the conservation community in its breadth, which is not all ideologically the same, and, and find a, a shared agenda. And this guy got a zero on that shared I'm, I'm agenda. I'm so confused. You mean clean water, parks, <laughs> yes. wetlands, and yeah. wildlife are something that all Wisconsinites care about, or a lot of Wisconsinites care about, despite party affiliation? Yeah. Well, you have to speak right-wing conservative. Property rights means my right to poison other people for profit. Yes. Well, and just to be clear, <laughs> like your property and... And in the state's economy is directly linked to how successful our our sort of natural life is. I mean, it's we know tourism is huge, and it's because we have excellent natural resources. as Donald Trump says, I have sad. a right to destroy it. <laughs> it's sad, <Mine>. wrong. <laughs> so uh, again, go check that out at the League of Conservation Voters here again, Wisconsin League of Conservation Voters, um, and hopefully we'll be able to talk a little bit more uh, in detail about conservation issues going forward. And again, we'll talk more about what's been going on at the DNR. With that, Jornay, so Pride Fest is over. I know a lot of hard work goes into that to the run-up. What are you doing this weekend now that uh, summer's in full gear and you don't have to put on a a big a big a 33,000 uh, person, person festival? Um, so let's see. I'm actually going to get back to my two other passions in life. On eating ice cream and riding horses. Eh, eating ice cream is like you know <laughs> negotiable. Uh, drinking red wine. Uh, um, no, I'm going to go see M Ward in oh. concert on Friday night. Oh, what? Yeah, he's in town. He's in town and super awesome. Holy shit, M Ward is very awesome, and super, I super super awesome. Maybe that's what I need to do. Is uh, that's my furlough too. I'm taking Bonnie <laughs> to M Ward. Thanks, Excellent. Jordan. Um, <laughs> and I'm gonna ride, spend some quality time with my horses, Reno and George, because I hardly saw them at all in the past like ten days. Well. We hope you enjoy your, your, your time away from work and from all the activity that you've been doing around Pride Fest. So you, you definitely deserve it. Robert, what are you going to do this weekend in Bayview now that summer has definitely hit? We know Bayview is one of the, the hot spots uh, to be. What, what's, what's going on? I won't be in Bayview. Oh, uh, I know where you're going to be. You do? Yeah, I think you're going to Chicago. Uh, yes, it's the, uh, we have the... Um People's Assembly. People's Summit, isn't it? Or People's is it Summit. Summit. That's right. The People's Summiting. Summit. Excuse me, Summiting. I can't keep all the people Summiting Mount Chicago. Straight, which is a uh, big convening at the McCormick Place in Chicago of um, most of the pro-Bernie organizations and unions in order to try to figure out what to do with the political revolution post-Bernie's candidacy. So that should be interesting. And I will be there, and Lou Sosa will be there, our our uh, organized fleet of community as well. I think you should take Jorna uh, with you that weekend. I think she'd be a good stir stick down there. That would probably provide some excitement. What <laughs> else? Are you, what else are you doing this weekend? What else am I doing other than yeah, going? Come to the on, Summit? Sunday. I, I we it know we Friday. know every time there has to be a microbrew. It goes in Friday, Chicago. It goes Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Oh, then. okay, awesome. Well. I would expect if you, uh, Robert, if you're from the Chicago area, Robert will be looking for a place to go out drinking that night, I'm sure, for, for a good microbrew or two in the evening. So well, hit I'm, Robert up on Facebook. 
is going to be down there. I don't know. I'm told that by uh, by our friend Peter Rickman that Dan Canner, the head of the National Workplace Party, wants to hook up and and have a drink and talk about the future. So that might might or might not happen. But there's an in- interest in that. All right. So all you radicals, uh, drinks with Dan Cantor and Robert Craig in Chicago Saturday night sounds like a good time. Um, we're we're glad you're going to be down there. It's actually very important to try to figure out right as a large grouping of people and and how to how, how does that energy stay and, and the ideas and vision uh, continue to go forward. So that should be a good weekend. Um, I myself will be at Ostalon this weekend racing. I'm also I think going to go to M Ward. Jorna, you have convinced me. Okay. I'm glad we do this. Take take my wife out for date night, and I got to spend the next week figuring out what I'm doing for our wedding anniversary bonnie and i's wedding anniversary is next weekend on a friday night so jordan will have to any 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 uh concert uh recommendations for next friday i need to get those in advance but with that we want to thank brian woldridge who makes the podcast happen every week and we will see everybody next week here at the battleground wisconsin